so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Um, Just want to encourage you, we've had a survey out there for um, you to provide input into what the new normal might look like for us as a church. So we're taking this season uh, to consider uh, what uh, church looks like for us, what being the church and and doing church together, to use that phrase, looks like on the other side of uh, coronavirus. So it seems we're a ways from that, but we want to be spending this time thinking about that. So that survey is available. Um, I'll repost the link to that on Facebook straight after our, our worship gathering this morning. Uh, if you get our church text messages, you'll have it in the message this week. We're going to close that off uh, at the end of this week. Um, so we've had some great input so far but really would appreciate a bunch more people to jump on there and input into that. If technology is an issue, if that's the barrier for you, then um, get in touch with me and we'll uh, sit down and we can sort that out. Um, But without any further ado, uh, Josh is going to come and read for us from the Scriptures. Um, So he's going to read from Ephesians chapter 4. Thanks, buddy. Big voice. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature and attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning of craftiness of men and the deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will... In all things grow up to him who is the head that is Christ. For him the body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Awesome. Great job, Josh. Thank you uh, for doing that. Uh, He only found out that he was being asked this morning as he woke up. to to read the Bible, uh, because my own brother uh, refused to read it this morning. Um, So a blessing to have my brother Ben and his wife Steph uh, with us this morning. I can confirm they're not from Sydney. They held their breath the entire way through Sydney um, and have taken all precautions. They're well, they're healthy and happy, but it's great to be able to worship uh, with church family and uh, family family. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into uh, the word for this morning. Mm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that within your word it says heaven and earth may fail, but the word of the Lord will remain. And so we thank you that in the midst of uncertain times, your word provides for us a sure and certain platform. And so we pray this morning that as we engage with your word, we pray that it would shape us, that it would transform us, but that also in this season where there is so much uncertainty that it would be our anchor. 
this morning, that it would be our foundation, that we would find peace this morning as we rest on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so uh, next week we're going to begin a series uh, that I'm pretty well probably just going to call Jesus. Uh, maybe Jesus according to John. Uh, we're going to dig into John's gospel a little bit uh, and to really center in on, on Jesus and, and to spend some time uh, focusing all of our attention on him and who he, who he was, who he is and who he is to come in that sense. Uh, and it's partly engaging with our vision theme for this year to abide in Jesus. It's partly uh, engaging with that thought that we've talked about a bunch of times uh, from, the, from the Old Testament, uh, from that story of, of the kings where Jehoshaphat and, and God's people didn't know what to do, so they fixed their eyes on God. And so in this season where it's a little bit like, oh, well, what do we do now? Uh, we're going to really just anchor in for the next little while, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um, so this week, uh, we're going to wrap up our Shaping the New Normal series. Uh, and I confess that, you know, after plotting this series out for a few weeks, I was hoping that we'd be much closer now to some familiarity to, to normal, uh, or a new normal, so to speak. Um, but it seems that uh, we're not quite there yet. And so um, some of us might be a little bit disheartened at the moment. Uh, and, and so I want to, this morning, just recap a little bit of where we've been. Uh, we began this series in thinking about the new normal and we were talking about restrictions being eased, uh, which they have been, um, but we're in a bit of a pause on that at the moment. Um, and we began by looking at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 to 19. That was kind of the, one of the key verses that we began this journey with. Um, and these verses say, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And so I want to go back to that verse for a moment this morning because I don't know about you, but for me there's a temptation now that we seem to have stalled in our return to normal. There's a temptation to more and more look back, to think, okay, we're there. Oh, no. Victoria. What are you doing? Western Sydney. Oh. And, and to look back and, and to start to feel frustrated and bitter and, and to dwell on the former things, to look backwards. And so I want to remind us of this, that our calling is not to look back. Not everything that was back is bad, but not everything that was back was good either. But also, we want to be people who look forward with God to a new normal. We, we want to take this season to allow God to shape us. It seems we're going to spend longer on the potter's wheel, so to speak, as God is the potter shaping us as the clay than we'd hoped. But we need to keep looking forward, keep thinking about what the new normal will look like. And so through this series, we've been thinking about uh, allowing God to shape us. And we've talked about how we gather as a church and, and that uh, the scripture doesn't know any existence of God's people apart from a people who consistently gather together. And that's been challenged at the moment in the way we do that, but, but there's a reshaping opportunity. And so as a church, we're, we're talking about shifting from a church that primarily gathers on Sunday and has a few life groups, 
or small groups, but to being a church of life groups that gathers together for worship on Sunday. And so part of what I'm thinking that God's doing in this season of restricting our gathering is to give us opportunity to bed in to the culture of our church that we gather in small groups. And so if you're not a part of a small group or you've tried before and it didn't really work out, I want you to hit the reset button on that and make a a new effort to engage in in being part of a life group. Um, Carl, uh, in many of his technical wizardry things he's working on, is working on a better way for our website to work to help you get connected, but you don't need to wait for that. You can jump on our website, go to the life group tab, fill out the thing, I'll get an email and we'll get you connected. If you've got capacity to lead a life group and you're not doing one, then get in touch with me, we'll get you connected. We want to make that shift to be remoulded so that we can gather together in groups because we can still do that at the moment, but also I think that will shape us to be a healthier and more vibrant church. We've talked about reshaping how we serve as a church and so I think you know we're better than this typical rule, but we talked about the rule where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Uh, and that's true of most organisations where, where you've got a small group of people doing most of the work. And, and so I think this is an opportunity for us to be reshaped, pardon me, uh, reshaped into uh, flipping that on its head and that we've got 80% of the church really engaged in actively serving in a mission and ministry in the life of the church. Why not 100%? Well, we want 20% at least of people that are new and not yet serving. Uh, if it's 100%, then it probably means we're not really reaching uh, new people that, that are not yet plugged in fully. Uh, we've talked about reshaping how we share our faith and reshaping our idea around that from an obligation that we do because Jesus commanded it, which is true, but to something that we do as an act of love because there's nothing better than the good news for the people that we share it with. And so we want to shift from this understanding of, oh, I have to do it, but people don't like it, to been so much better than telling people there's free ice cream down the street was the analogy we use. Everyone loves to hear about free ice cream. The good news of Jesus Christ is always good news. People won't always respond well, but we share because the love of Christ for that person compels us. Uh, We're going to be digging more into tools and resources to help us be better at sharing our faith as time goes on, but Uh, we've, We've talked about all of those things about how we're being reshaped by God as a church for the new normal. So today I want to wrap that up and I want to talk about a key aspect of what the new normal, and this doesn't mean we weren't this already, but growing into this further uh, looks like uh, for the church and for us as individuals. And and that's a new normal of unity and maturity. Um, If... uh, you're online and you're in a chatting position, you might be able to put unity and maturity in the chat. Uh, if you're here and uh, not a lot of notepads I'm seeing this morning, Deb's got a phone out, she's taking notes. Good job, Deb. You can write unity and maturity in your notes. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, that Josh read so excellently for us this morning, in verses 11 to 13, uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus And he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the 
righteousness of and, and so this is, of course, scripture where, if you've heard this phrase, the fivefold ministry comes from, where we talk about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, and, and their role not been to do the work of ministry so much, but to equip the saints, that's the church, for the work of ministry. And, and so leadership in the life of the church isn't about doing everything, but about equipping the saints for everything. And there's these key core ministry giftings that shape the nature of what that looks like. But that's not particularly what I want to focus on this morning. I'd love to teach more into apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, but that's not where I want to focus on this morning. This morning I want to draw our attention to the goal of that ministry. The goal that that Jesus is shaping the church towards in the giving of these gifts, and that is the goal of building the church up towards unity and maturity. So the goal here is not for the church to make sure that they have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. We should be doing that. We should be seeking to to discover who has God gifted in the life of not just this local church but in the church globally as apostles and who are the evangelists, who are the pastors, who are the teachers. We we should be doing that, that work of discernment as a church but that's not the goal. The goal is that that ministry of those people, those gifts to the church, equipping the saints so that the church would be built up, so that the church would become increasingly united and mature. And so the new normal, which as we've talked about, every aspect of the new normal is actually going back to what we should have always been. There's nothing entirely new about this in that sense. The new normal that we're called to is one of unity in faith and in the knowledge of, of the Son of God. That's Jesus. So, so we're called to unity in our faith and our knowledge of Jesus. And we're called to maturity, and that maturity is referred to as attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And, and so this passage reveals to us that God's goal for His church, the normal that He desires for His church, is one of unity and maturity. And, and so as we think in this season of, of the church kind of been reshaped and, 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 and I guess stripped down and all the normal things that we're used to doing, the habits and practices, the life of the church usually is engaged with, this season is one in which we can come back to be reshaped by God towards unity and maturity. Uh, So I just want to spend a few moments this morning just talking about each of those aspects. Because the thing is, we're in the midst of a crisis, we're we're in the midst of a time where we're experiencing pressure. The thing is, unity can fall apart in the midst of a crisis. Our immaturity can be revealed by pressure. And so when it comes to unity... Uh, We can go back to the start of this chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, to the first few verses, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 3, and the Apostle Paul begins this section. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That would be a good verse just to, to meditate on over and over again. But he continues, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
Make every effort. The point here is that unity takes effort. Unity doesn't just magically happen or appear out of nowhere. Unity can fall apart in a crisis, but without effort, unity can just gradually dissolve and disappear. And all of a sudden you find yourself hypothetically speaking, of course, in a church with a big aisle down the middle and there's a camp that sits on that side and a camp that sits on that side and it's like the two houses of parliament arguing with one another. Unity takes effort and work. You may not believe it to look at my physique now, but I once played sport, a team sport called Rugby Union. And you can see this in, a, in a, uh, a, a team sport that unity falls apart in the midst of a crisis when pressure is on, when they're more points down than they think they can get back. You know, in rugby, if the other team scores a try, you think, okay, come on guys, we've got to stick together and we can, we can like, overcome, we can score a try. Then the other team scores another try. And I experienced this quite frequently in the club that I prayed, played for that we would get further and further behind. And there comes a point in that pressure where instead of huddling together, the team starts pointing out whose fault it is. You missed that tackle. You know, why don't you, know, why don't you run the ball? Or you, don't, you didn't kick it far enough or blah, 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 blah. And, and from experience, that's when you know that a comeback is just not on the cards today. When there's disunity, a comeback is just not on the cards. And so if we're to think as a church, and I don't think we've got a great degree of disunity in the church, that's not what I'm saying this morning, but I think God's always got a higher level of unity, a higher level of maturity He wants to call us into. But if we're to think about our comeback, so to speak, as a church, from this crisis, unity is absolutely key. If we're to think about how the church globally or in the Yas Valley together, the church or churches are to come back from this, then, then unity is key. And so unity takes effort, and it's going to take effort in this season, especially when we physically can't be united together in one place. When we can't have this moment of, like, okay, we're all in the one building and we're all on the same page. It takes effort. The kind of effort it takes, Paul actually talks about in verse 2, to jump back a verse, uh, in Ephesians, the kind of effort it takes is this. He says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So the kind of effort that unity takes is the effort of humility. The effort to choose a low position when what you really want to choose is showing everyone how you're better than everybody else. That's the effort that unity takes. The effort of unity to, to achieve unity is gentleness. To actually just be gentle towards others in the community that you're united with. The effort of unity is patience. I think that's probably high on the list of things that we need to uh, stick with at the moment, patience to stay united. Some of us might be perfectly happy uh, with connecting online and, and through the screen, this might be ideal for them. Uh, but some of us are getting over it and frustrated. And why doesn't Pastor Nick just let us back in the building? Why doesn't he let us sing? And so for unity, we're going to have to be 
patient and patient and patient and patient in this season. The effort of unity is that of bearing with one another in love. If you're only going to be united with people that you completely agree with and uh, have all attributes that you really like about them, then you're not going to be united with very many people. Probably not even yourself. And so there's going to be parts of each other that we just have to bear with. There's definitely parts of me that if we want to be united as a church, you're just going to have to bear with. It doesn't mean we overlook sin or we overlook gross issues of offence, but we've got to put effort into simply just bearing with one another. So unity requires effort, it requires humility, gentleness, patience and bearing with one another in love but, but it doesn't matter how much effort we pour into it, if it doesn't have the right foundation, if it doesn't have the right anchor, if it doesn't have the right purpose, our unity will always be brittle. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 and 6, the Apostle Paul talks about the, the anchor, the foundation, the purpose, the core of our unity. He says, there is one body. And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so the anchor of our unity is that there is one God, there's one faith, there's only one body, the church, to be baptized into. There might be lots of different expressions of local church even within this valley of Yass. But it's not like you can go, well, I don't want to be a part of this church, so I'll go somewhere else because it's all the one body. I'm not saying it's never okay to move local families for, for valid reasons, but there is only one God. There is only one spirit. To jump into what we've talked about more recently, there is only one mission that we're called to. And so, to put it frankly, there is no other option than unity. Our unity is in Jesus. It's in our faith and our knowledge of Jesus. And so it's perfectly okay for you to like different music to me. It's perfectly okay for you to vote for a different political party to me. It's perfectly okay for you to have a different style of dress and uh, for like different colours. It's perfectly okay for us to have so many differences and, and such diversity in the life of who we are as a church because our unity isn't in those things. It's in our faith in Jesus and our knowledge of him. And so what I want us to do in this season as a church and, and beyond this season is, is to make that choice that you as an individual, me as an individual, we're going to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Especially now. Don't take this opportunity to become a church of one. Reach out, connect respond when people reach out to you, pray for one another. Uh, some of us, for very good reasons, are loving just being able to do church at home, flick on the TV. But don't let that be an opportunity to become disunited and disconnected with God's church. Because the new normal, if we're to be shaped by the Father, is one of unity. It's also one of maturity. 
Um, and so if you haven't listened, listened to Steve's message from last week, he, he spoke about Jesus being our teacher in every season and I think that's a great primer for what maturity looks like and, and how we get there. It's allowing Jesus to teach us in every season. So it's on the podcast, it's on YouTube. Um, feels funny to say all those things, but you can connect with Steve's message and, and that's a great lead into maturity. Just as unity falls apart in a crisis under pressure, maturity maturity is revealed. So a tree with immature roots can't withstand the blowing of a strong wind like the tree with mature roots does. And so you might have a tree that looks great above surface but it hasn't got the maturity in its root and, and it's easily blown over under pressure. And, and that's what uh, sometimes a church can be. It can look mature but then when it comes under pressure it can get blown over and toppled. Um, so I've been very encouraged um, by the engagement from our church family in, in aspects of church when we've been under pressure. But immaturity is revealed under pressure. It's, it's uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, where Paul gives us a picture of what an immaturity of faith looks like. He's saying that if we're mature, this won't happen. He says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And, and so that's a picture of the kind of immaturity we're not called to, been blown back and forth by different teaching and been tossed to and fro or by, like a tree just been blown over by a breeze. It's shocking what some people are believing in this moment. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, just spend a few minutes on the internet. And it's shocking to see what people are believing about at the moment. And sadly to say, many of them believers, many of them speaking on behalf of the church, and I won't name countries or, or, or people because it's not about that, it's... it's Actually, if we read the scripture here in Ephesians 4.14, it's actually just an indication of immaturity. When we're so quick to believe something that isn't of God. Conspiracy theories and the like. And so we need to come to terms with the fact that sometimes our desire for the new teaching for the new thing, for the new, uh, like the new prophet, the new word, the new, the new message from God, sometimes our desire for that is simply a sign of mature, immaturity. And, and that's not to say new things are bad. This whole series has been about shaping a new normal. What is the new thing that God is doing? But to be blown around by every new teaching is a sign of immaturity. To completely change course because you hear a new message that isn't, you know, I'm not talking about being transformed by the gospel, is a sign of immaturity. And so maturity requires discernment. To be able to know, is this, this new teaching of God or is it just someone without any wisdom trying to speak into a difficult moment? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul goes on to, to tell us what maturity looks like. 
He says, instead, instead of being infants tossed around, blown about by immature, by every teaching because we're immature, he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so the antidote to immaturity is to grow up. To grow up more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. We, we said that way back when we were talking about being shaped by the Father as, it, as a potter shapes clay and that the final product, the final image that we've been shaped towards is Jesus. And so when I'm mature, I look more like Jesus. When the church is mature, the body of Christ looks more like Christ. Often worldly maturity is a loss of joy and lightheartedness. Often we'll hear that phrase, oh, grow up, and what they're saying is stop being joyful, stop being light of heart. And so that's not what we think of when we think of maturity in a biblical sense. Godly maturity is discernment, it's, it's wisdom, it's taking responsibility for me and my actions and the fallout and the consequences of them. That's what godly maturity is, but it's also joy, it's also peace, it's also faithfulness. It's also being childlike. It's one of these paradigms that we find in the Bible. That we're called to be mature, but we're called to have a childlike faith. And so what I'm saying is, growing up and being mature in a biblical sense doesn't mean being boring, stodgy, and refusing to accept anything new. It, it means being mature and discerning and taking responsibility, but being filled with joy, peace and faith. And so what I want us to do, as I said, I, I want us to make every effort to keep unity in this season, but I also want us to let this be a season of growth and maturity. See, the beautiful thing about pressure revealing immaturity is it shows us where we can work on ourselves. It shows us where we can open up to God and allow Him to work on ourselves. So we don't need to be threatened by immaturity revealed. We just need to be able to be aware of that. That this is an area of my life that God might want to work on to grow me, to make me more mature. And so as pressure reveals my immaturity, our immaturity together, as pressure reveals your immaturity, let's take that moment to invite the Holy Spirit to help us to grow up in that area. And so the new normal is one of unity and maturity. I'm not saying we weren't united. I'm not saying we weren't mature. I'm saying that God wants us to take us to new levels. And so we're going to wrap up this series that we've called Shaping a New Normal. And so the question might be, well, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I've prayed that kind of prayer a little bit in my heart towards God this week. Are we there yet? Knowing that we're not there. Because, you know, when kids ask that from the back seat of the car, they could tell if you were there yet because you would stop and get out. So they ask that question knowing they're not there yet. So I've been asking that of God this week. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Knowing that we're not there yet. And so my prayer, and we're going to pray at the end of this, we're going to pray for the situation in our nation and all around the world with coronavirus. And so my prayer is that this would come to an end, that there would be healing, that there would be protection, that, that the number of virus cases would come down to zero in Australia and globally. 
But I also pray that this season would endure until its work is complete in us. And so there's often a, a leadership phrase, or well, there is a leadership phrase that's often used, as, they say, don't waste a good crisis. You know, if you have to endure a crisis in the organisation you're part of leading, don't waste it, use that to, to lead positive change. And um, so you could also say, don't waste a, I won't use the word good, but don't waste a pandemic. We don't want to waste this season. And so I want to encourage you to adopt that as your prayer. Pray for this to be over but also pray that God would not let it be over until his work in us through this is brought to a completion. Let's not lose heart, let's not lose momentum, but let's press on through this season, allowing God to shape us. And so the series is coming to an end, but the shaping continues. And so we're going to finish this series, this title, Shaping a New Normal, but, but I want us to continue with the heart, especially as we dive into John's Gospel and, and focus on Jesus. I want us to continue with the heart of allowing God to reshape us and to shape us. Uh, this uh, piece of scripture that we began with, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 to 19, not dwelling on the past, looking forward to the new, that was not spoken to those that were at the end of the journey. They hadn't yet arrived. They were in the depth of exile. They hadn't actually even began the journey home. That would come much later. And so I want to encourage us finally as we finish this series to grab hold of that verse to not take this frustration, this temptation, uh, to look back and go, oh God, I just want to go back to how it was. But like the people of God in exile in Babylon to go, yeah, this is a new thing God's doing. I'm going to look for it. I'm going to cling to it. I'm going to put my hope in it that God is doing a work in me in East Church. Amen. I'm going to pray. And then um, magically worship will appear on our screens, will worship leadership will appear on our screens. Uh, and then after, after our final song, we'll, I'll come back and wrap up. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do pray that this season, this coronavirus, this uh, pandemic would come to an end. However that would be through a, through a vaccine, through super effective social distancing, whatever the means, through a supernatural move of God, whatever the means, Lord, we do pray that this would come to an end. We pray that restrictions on gathering and worship would be over, that we could once more gather fully as your church, that we could sing together in praise and worship. We pray that that, would, uh, that day would be very soon. But we also pray, as we do uh, pray for those who need healing, as we do pray for those who are unwell, we also pray that this season would not end until you've accomplished everything that you desire to accomplish in us and through us in this season. Help us to fix our eyes on the new normal, on the that you desire for us. We submit our lives to you as clay in the hands of the potter. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.